0: Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. The Ringer is launching a new podcast from the guys who brought you a Cespedes family barbecue called Baseball Barbecue. Hosted by Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman, they're bringing you the good, the bad, and the utterly bizarre corners of the baseball world and everything that makes it special. Throughout the offseason, they'll dive into the rabbit hole on some of their favorite fascinations from the home run derby to baseball brawls and much more. Once the season returns, they'll break down the latest MLB news and developments. You can subscribe to Baseball Barbecue on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hello, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing well, Juliette. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for asking. You know, just... Keeping it going here in quarantine. Many of our favorite topics to cover today. We've got some Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck nudes. Another check-in on our normal people duo. Matt Damon still in Ireland. There's just a lot a lot to, <laughs> to get into. Also, I believe that yesterday or a couple days ago was the um, two-year anniversary of Megan and Harry. So, yes, it is. A topical, prompt, timely podcast. So... Happy anniversary to them. I think that's our only Megan and Harry update of the week. Wish them well. That was a great day when we got to watch their
1: wedding. You live and me on tape yes. delay.
0: Yes. That's great. Um, let's keep it moving. Should we start with uh, Ananda Armas and Ben Affleck? We usually bury them at the end, but <laughs> a lot of news around them this week, including a delightful interview with the guy who runs the Ananda Armas fan account on Jezebel.
1: Yes, so we bury them just because I don't think that everybody else wants to hear me being like, I can't believe that this is happening every week. I do understand that people are looking for new things, even in this quarantine time. But I continue to be fascinated by all of them. There were like a couple paparazzi updates. We should note that there was like the the shirt exchange. That was a great yes. moment when Ben Affleck was wearing a, we call it a forest green button down shirt. And then... Anna de Armas appeared on a walk wearing the same shirt unbuttoned. It fit them differently um, as you might expect.
0: At this point, what is your grand theory of Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas? Like what's going on here?
1: Well, I just kind of think of it all as like a one grand art project and mm-hmm. I really enjoy it in that context. They are very aware that they are getting photographed and I think that they are both kind of going about their life um, as one does. We all have pretty limited options right now if we're following various local regulations and trying to be safe. So at some point they're just kind of walking, but I think they are also aware that people are paying attention to that and not hiding from it, which is Ben Ben Affleck's MO even before Anadarmas. My guy yeah. does get photographed and he does kind of do his Ben Affleck stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean, all the way back to J-Lo,
0: really. Right. So I I
1: just think they're kind of doing what they're doing. I don't know if anything's changed in the last few weeks, necessarily. I still was pretty fascinated with the decision to, like, quote, go public with a relationship right as all of COVID-19 was ramping up just from a PR strategy. On the other hand, you could make the case that, like, they were together. They did get photographed on vacation and then decided to just go with it. You know, also at some point, if you're actually responsibly quarantining, then you can't be going back and forth from people all of the time. Right. They're just they're kind yeah. of together. So it is what it is. Yeah.
0: I just So there's an interview on in Jezebel that is really delightful and interesting um, with the person who runs Ana de Armas updates. And <laughs> I did not realize that Anna de Armas had blocked Anna de Armas updates on Twitter. Did you know that? And, oh, I did. Yes. Yeah, so this it's so the the Twitter handle is at
1: Armas updates, and I think that I have actually mentioned this uh, Twitter account before because this person was posting Definitely. a lot of that Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck quarantine walking photos with um, some reminders of. Uh, you know, wearing masks and, uh, sheltering in place and doing all of the safety things that we're supposed to do right now. And I found it very funny. You know, I think one of the captions was like, "Anita Armis and Ben Affleck, like hopefully telling each other to go back inside. Um, (laughs) so there, there was a little bit of, of editorialization, shall we say to this Twitter account, which I enjoyed. And then it did get blocked. I believe they talked about that on tea time. And so this that was a few weeks ago, and Joan Summers, who is a reporter at Jezebel, interviewed AJ, who lives in Houston, is 23 years old, and is he's the Houston-based 23-year-old creator of at Armis Updates. Which I mean, 2020, what a time that that is a that's a real <laughs> job description. But uh, Joan interviewed AJ about the get, getting blocked by Anna Darmus, and then really just about. Stan accounts and why you would run a stand account. And I found the interview to be quite thoughtful and charming.
0: Yeah, it was it was way more interesting about like what a stand account is and how you do it, and just sort of like the the intricacies of kind of a common internet occurrence that I don't really take seriously. And I thought that um Joan Summers, she put something really well, which is parting part of running a stand account is projecting a personality onto the celebrities you tweet about. And I thought that was a really great point because so many of these stand accounts really use photos and not video, even if video is available. And so it's sort of like it is projecting a voice and a point of view onto a still image and you do it. So regularly you do it every day, maybe every hour. And so it does like the voice of the stand account, I think can be confused for the personality of the celebrity. And just, it kind of like framed the idea of a stand account for me in a new way. I probably sound like really old as I discuss this, but, um, it's kind of fascinating. It's like, it's the kind of thing that also, I think is really born out of Tumblr. And though Tumblr is no longer with us, the impact of Stan culture was very, very much born out of that platform and has made its way onto Twitter and other places. And in the context of Tumblr, I think it, it felt more insular and it was sort of like, oh, you come to Tumblr to like be part of like a kind of, a massive, but maybe unseen fan base, but on Twitter, for some reason, it feels more public to me. And so it was just an interesting way of framing it. I completely agree
1: to me. This interview is interesting because I feel like I primarily interact with Stan accounts on, on Instagram, on my explore tab where, Mm. you know, I've looked at one photo of uh, like, I go to Kensington Royal or the dearly departed (laughs) Sussex Royal. And then I have like thousands of Stan accounts of various members of the Royal family. And I'll look at the pictures because, you know, that's what I'm there for on Instagram. But sometimes I do find myself looking at the entire accounts and I do find myself wondering who are, who is running these, like actually who is running them and wondering about like the nature of interaction or just relationship of someone who's like, what I want to do for a celebrity is start an Instagram like account that just yeah. logs everything. It's not how you or I would respond to it. Though, you know, we do have a whole podcast about it, but there's, there's like a, there's, there seems to be a lack of, um, perceived distance from the person running the account and the celebrity that I've always really been interested in. And I thought that this interview, um, was really illuminating. And I want to read the answer to the question that, um, which I agree was a great question that you just read. And this is what it is. He said, it's definitely a persona I've put on her. I think it's a self-aware one because we're all in dark times right now and I feel like this account is something funny to put out there. Actually, that's something I should think about more. This persona I've created and how I present myself on the account. But at the end of the day, it's just lighthearted sarcasm. I mean no offense towards her at all. And I th- I think that moment where he's pausing in the middle and it's just kind of like actually I should think about it more, which I I mean should is like a very loaded word in the sense we're talking about, you know pictures of celebrities on like a, a Twitter account. I don't, I'm not trying to hold AJ responsible for anything, but you know, just that sense of, um, I'm not really thinking about it. It's just kind of a thing that I do, but also I guess it does have some larger significance if you actually want to put some weight on it. I, that to me was, was very helpful in understanding this entire economy. Um, and I credit AJ for it. And I do find it also kind of reassuring that everybody's just trying to have a little bit of fun. That makes me feel better about the whole Stan account economy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I agree. And also, if you're going to give people these pictures, like a narrative will be will be drawn around them. So, you know, that's kind of how it goes. Also, as far as a Stan account goes, this is pretty innocuous. I think this is way, way less or way more innocuous than like the One Direction Stan accounts that like made up relationships between the members and stuff that like was speculating on on their lives in a different way when they all sort of different point in their lives. And just in general, Stan accounts can be like really intense. And it happens a lot with pop stars, I think more than than actresses and actors. And I think this is like a fairly kind of mild one, but a fun one.
1: Yes, for sure. It can, you know, everyone puts their energies and emotions towards something, especially right now. We're all looking for outlets. I do wonder if you're just a person um, who like if you're like Anna Darmas and you're looking at all of these accounts, um, it must be overwhelming a bunch yeah. of people that you don't know. I think this interview also um hypothesizes that she is not actually the person looking at her accounts, and um AJ notes that because she's posting the same thing on Twitter and on Instagram that he thinks it's just like a social team and that Anna Darmas is not really involved in the posting of this. Which I just have to say, if you're famous enough to have stan accounts about you like definitely hire a social media team you shouldn't be posting yourself that's just my that's my
0: take (laughs) do you agree with that i don't know yes and no there's always someone to like fire and blame if something goes wrong but i think that the authenticity of like you know a chrissy Teigen, a goop i mean she has her own team but she also sometimes does it herself um can go a long way. So it cut. I think it, it cuts both ways. I think you need to mix it up. I think you need to like meet your deliverables with your team, and then like every third post should be actually from you.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a good point. You need to be involved still. You can't totally outsource it, but yeah, it's a. And also, you want to hire a team with skill. You know that yes. this is this is a skill. We have a lot of very talented people at the ringer who do it. It can go very well. It can go very badly. So you want to make sure that you're working with people who get you and you do need to be involved. Cause it, it, you can tell when it's like a hundred
0: percent outsourced pretty quickly and you don't totally. want
1: that. Yeah, yeah.
0: no, you, you definitely do not. But I thought this was interesting. I'm going to think about Stan accounts differently going forward. I will as well. And maybe also Stan accounts will be thinking more about themselves as, as well, which
1: is just interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, also AJ, thanks for doing the interview and uh, obviously Joan Jezebel, thanks for doing it. But I feel like very frequently these these sort of um, conspicuous or these sort of anonymous internet personalities don't always get the chance to speak. And I'm glad that he did. Yes. Agree. I agree. It was interesting. AJ, carry on. Next, let's discuss what's up with Stanley Tucci, who's kind of another like more famous on the internet than he is in real life at this point kind of guy. Uh, He's also. John Krasinski and Emily Blunt's in-law via being married to Felicity Blunt, who's also an actress, I believe. No, I think um, she's a she's a literary agent. Oh, you're right. She's a literary yeah. agent. My bad. I believe they met through Emily Blunt because they were in Devil Wars Prada together.
1: Yes. And then I believe they were introduced at John Krasinski's and Emily Blunt's wedding.
0: Yes. And now they're now they're married. Um mm-hmm. he <laughs> I'll just say his kind of uh recipe diary begins. I write this from my studio at the back of our garden in London. So Stanley Tucci, he's living a good life. That is true. He definitely
1: is. He, I mean, Stanley Tucci's been like a very successful actor for a long time, and he's definitely famous on the internet, but he's also been like that guy in movies for at least for what, sure. 20 years. So sure. what's he most famous for? Well, I think that's a real, your mileage may vary situation for, for me and probably for you, though. Feel free to answer differently. It's probably Devil Wears Prada. Uh, Julian Julia stands out for me he's a Mm. great parent in EZA but Mm. let's see I mean I'm looking at his IMDB right now he is just in everything
0: and he was on Broadway and in theater a lot too to me he's most famous for formerly being married to Edie Falco okay if I'm being honest were they married or was it just, they were just a, together?
1: It it was in a, they were together, which I learned about when I read Stanley Tucci's Wikipedia page after reading this charming diary, which we'll get back to, I thought you were going <laughs> to say he's famous for doing a run on ER. It looks like a late ER run.
0: Yeah, it was late. Okay. I don't acknowledge those seasons as much. They're fine. They're the Linda Cardellini, John Stamos years, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah. Devil Wears Prada is probably it. I, I certainly quote him from Devil Wears Prada
1: the most. But quarantine wise, he became quarantine famous when he posted an Instagram video making a Negroni for his wife, Felicity Blunt. And number one, he was just being very charming and making a Negroni for his wife, which is is behavior that we endorse and or I endorse. And then he was also wearing one of the lovely, like very well fitting, short sleeved, crew, like polo shirts, <laughs> you know, like a very European talented, Mr. Ripley situation. And Stanley Tucci has been working out. So there was a lot of uh, secondary attention on that. So that became famous. He followed it up with a full diary about a day in the life of quarantine and Stanley Chucci, um, also does write cookbooks. So there is a recipe and cooking focus to what he's doing here. Um, in the Atlantic diet. The title is cooking your way through the pandemic. And I just want to say, I really, there seems to be a lot of people living in Stanley Tucci's home. I'll read. It's what he has here. His wife, Felicity, um, have been sequestered here with our two small children, a boy, five, a girl, two, my three older children, whom I had with my late wife, Kate, a girl, 18 boy, girl twins, 20, and a girlfriend of theirs from university who wasn't able to get to
0: her parents overseas. So that's a lot of people in the home. That is a lot. And also like many generations. I feel like you've got all yes. of media covered based on that's that. True. You know
1: that's true. That said, I would be willing to be an additional person if they needed it because it sounds like a lot of fun. Everyone's in good spirits. Stanley Tucci's just like cooking and cleaning for people all of the time because he is not on set doing any sort of production, and he seems to have a good attitude about it. He is grateful and also really hates Peppa Pig who his small children watch all the time <laughs> and just spends a lot of time complaining about Peppa Pig but is also like but then Peppa Pig allows us to have some peace so I'm very conflicted about it. I just I thought it it was good work. This was this was great diverting content for me personally and there are recipes in it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Also he has a real appreciation for Kerrygold butter which I appreciate as well because it is top-notch butter. <laughs> it's just really good. He He's an interesting celebrity because he's been around for so long. He's a, I definitely project the Devil Wears product character on him where it's sort of like sardonic and sarcastic, but also tender when you need him to be. Like mm-hmm. that's who I think Stanley Tucci is. And I would say this this like food diary definitely reinforced that. Yes, absolutely.
1: They're eating really well. I mean, pasta alla norma, lamb chops. He's making chicken stock. He is making a Negroni. And I just a person who also loves Negroni's. His Negroni recipe very um, interesting to me. He's he's making it up, which is a nice treat. But normally in the home, I don't do that for myself. And he's also making it with double gin to everything else, which is it. This is a strong cocktail, which I commend him for. And I also congratulate his wife who is drinking the Negroni because you know it's. I guess it's you got to do what you got to do in these times.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Also, with a lot that many people around, even if it's fun and everyone's getting along. Not a lot of alone time, so I would also probably need to have a Negroni. Yes, exactly.
1: Anyway, I recommend reading this and spending time with Stanley Tucci uh, when you are safely able to do so, if that opportunity
0: becomes available. Um, Should we stay on the other side of the Atlantic for for some more news? Let's do it. But first, we've got a new podcast. Hi, I'm Patrick Radden-Keefe, a reporter at The New Yorker magazine. On my new podcast, Wind of Change, I investigate a rumor I haven't been able to shake since I first heard it years ago. It came from someone inside the CIA. And the story was that the agency had written one of the best-selling rock songs of all time, a song that changed the world. So that was the tip that started me on this story, and it only got crazier from there. Listen to Wind of Change, a new original series from Pineapple Street Studios, Crooked Media, and Spotify. Next! um, just a normal people check in, you know, just w- what's up with our people. Um, <laughs> Paul Meskel and Dizzy Edgar Jones are continuing to do a ton of press, including on the watch on our dear colleague, Chris Ryan's podcast. Uh, Paul Meskel appeared, uh, Chris did not do any of his accent work for him, but whatever. Um, but, uh, one thing that's been unearthed is that, um, Paul Meskel appeared in a production of Phantom of the Opera, which has made its way to Andrew Lloyd Webber, who tweeted about it and being the earnest gentleman that he is, Paul Meskel was very excited. I enjoy
1: this for a couple reasons. Number one, that uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber is either just really obsessed with normal people and or just like trying to latch on the normal people train so hard that he's just going through like community theater productions of old <laughs> musicals to be like, oh my god, that's Paul Mescal!" I have to tell you from the screenshots I've looked at, it is really not apparent to me that it is Paul Meskel. Um, it's a 2012 school production. How Paul Meskel
0: must be like at 14. Maynooth Post Primary, that's the name of- of the school just does not get more Irish. <laughs> anyway, uh, I like Andrew
1: Lloyd Webber. I'm a huge fan. So and want more normal people in my life. So I guess this is fine. But I, they are really having a moment. They were on the Graham Norton show. They're just doing a lot of Zoom interviews on IG, you know, that I'm watching on IGTV, loving all of it. They seem to be having a great time. I wanted to note. I, I recommend the watch interview, but also seeking out the video of the watch zoom interview because Paul Meskel has like a great, he's really turned three quarters to the camera. I'm doing it right now. Like anyone can see this, whatever, <laughs> but it's like, it's like one shoulder to the camera, like really leaning in because Paul Meskel is just like, he's committed to the zoom experience. And I found it really charming and I I want the best for both of them. I haven't gotten bangs yet, just so everyone knows but i still do think about it a lot
0: i'm just worried that they're getting famous in this time where it's going to be hard for them to capitalize on it like that you can't like fast track them into anything because of the the production shutdown for people like this i
1: think that that will be okay because the real danger here is that you pick the wrong next project and you do something mm. really bad you know and if they had a million offers right now and kind of felt like which I'm sure they do. If they don't, then people should get on that. But you feel that feeling of like, oh, I need to capitalize on this moment. I like, especially you're new, you're starting out. You, you know, you don't want to say no to things. You want opportunities, you want to work. Um, And then if, if you don't play it just right, it can get really dicey. So perhaps this gives them an opportunity to be a bit more
0: strategic. What do you think is the next, the right next role for each of them?
1: I don't know about roles necessarily. I think Paul Meskel, I mean, movies, I would want both of them to do movies. I think that's because I like movies. Um, (laughs) You can, you can see her doing some roles that Saoirse Ronan turned down. How about that?
0: Oh, interesting. Something that's a little bit less um, like silly I feel like Saoirse Ronan is really best when she's allowed to be a little bit silly and slapstick. It's one of the reasons why she's a great match for Greta Gerwig. Um, Exactly. I also could see some of the roles that went to Rachel McAdams. I'm thinking specifically about About Time right now, that movie from Richard Curtis. I feel like that could be a great Daisy Edgar Jones vehicle. Also, that movie is very underrated. It's just like, it's like sad, that movie. So It's one of the reasons why I think. But I, I think that there's just a lot out there for her. Yeah. In that vein.
1: And for him, I just think, I mean, don't be a superhero. Please don't be a superhero, Paul Meskel. Please I mean, it is don't. P- it is pretty slim pickings in terms of movie roles that aren't like major IP. So he seems like a, like a great A24 prospect, but you don't want him to get sidelined into the Lucas Hedges. I'm just, I'm just here to make you cry in every indie movie role. So I don't know. I'll
0: be curious to see what, I'll be curious to see what they do. Me too. I mean, also like, do they try to work together again? Like, do they become like a duo, like a Tom Hanks and a Meg Ryan? Like, do they find another show or movie together? Or
1: like a, a Chalamet Ronan to, to yes, bring that back. Yes, exactly.
0: Back. Yeah. I think maybe though it's really hard. This one's so specific, you know? And here's, here's something crucial about, meg ryan and tom hanks and the movies they were in together not that many scenes together these mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. constantly together and it's like the chemistry meg and tom was totally different energy because it, obviously in sleepless in seattle and also kind of in you got mail they're both in the movie equally but just not together until in both cases the end i mean there's more scenes of them together and you got mail and whatever but um these two it's sort of like how do you find another vehicle for them where they're spending that much time together I don't know. Right, right. You can't have them be like,
1: you can't do another relationship in the same way because people will just compare it and you can't really capture that magic twice in the same way. Part of it is like I, watching normal people for the first time and recognizing their chemistry and like hoping that they figure it out and that has diminishing returns if you use it again. So maybe they just need to go their own ways but
0: stay friends. I think he should do theater whenever that comes back. Okay. And she should be in some beautiful films that really play up her
1: her presence. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like is there's like an English language version of Portrait of a Lady on Fire? She would have been really good in it. Yes, a costume drama for sure. She has art the films, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I agree. exactly. Or like she could have been in the favorite, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. Corsets is what you're saying. Yeah. Let's okay. get her. You're right. Costume drama, theater for him. Costume drama for her. We've solved okay. it. Okay. Okay. Great. And now on the topic of Ireland, Matt Damon still there and allowing one interview. Matt Damon went on Irish radio to check in and um, he basically was sort of explaining why he's still there and talking about his daughters, his family, and it was typical Matt Damon and therefore typically delightful. I mean, that guy just crushes being a celebrity. He does it so right. He pops up at the right moments. No overexposure. The bad movies, no one remembers. The good movies, everyone loves. And now he's just like a folk hero in fucking Ireland. He's won over a whole country and me. Well, he already had me, but I'm even more in the tank.
1: I completely agree. Just completely charming. Great job, Matt Damon. I think there are a lot of different ways to be a celebrity, but Matt Damon is being a celebrity the way that I would want to be a celebrity.
0: Totally. Which is, I
1: I would want to just hang out in Ireland, have a really great life do projects that I'm interested in pop up every once in a while, but like not really have that much attention on me because I would find it overwhelming and just, you know, get to live in a beautiful place with my family. Sounds great.
0: He's shielded his daughter so much as well. Like I couldn't ever, I couldn't pick a single one out of a lineup, which is to their credit, you know? Yes. Good for them. Yes. I agree. I love it. Um, Next, not in Ireland, but. Also doing celebrity on his own terms, Jake Gyllenhaal (laughs) (laughs) on his own terms is doing so much work there. (laughs) Um, Jake Gyllenhaal posted a quarantine song that he wrote. It's sort of like the next chapter in his, here's what I'm doing at home. Jake Gyllenhaal is definitely implying that he's quarantining alone. What do you think is the truth there? Like, who does Jake Gyllenhaal spend time with? I don't know. He's in Los Angeles. He grew up in Los Angeles. In recent years, he's been living in New York, so he's one of the many people that the New York Times addressed who left New York to go to somewhere else when the pandemic hit. But, like, I'm sure he has a home in L.A., so, like, it's, you know, whatever. You know, people just like to go home. Um, But I just don't believe that Jake Gyllenhaal is, like, doing it up big by himself. Like, I, I just don't. Because I feel like celebrities are so used to having people around, even the ones who are, like, loner celebrities that I can't imagine like we're, we're deep into month three of this and Jake Gyllenhaal is just like, yeah, I go get my own groceries and then I come home and I'm by myself. I'll hang out on a zoom call. Maybe I bet he actually is doing zooms and I bet. So I
1: agree with you that I think there is probably a small group of people in Jake Hall's life. I do also think that he is um, taking this seriously. I don't want to cast any aspersions about Jake Hall's, you know, Quarantining or or regulations oh, or whatever that he's doing, yeah. But I I agree with you that what we're seeing on Instagram, which is like Jake and Gyllenhaal just making up songs and doing push up challenges and and projecting a very like weird solo life, is just one slice probably of what's going going on in Jake Gyllenhaal's life, which is um, true for all celebrities and just something to keep in mind. It's an interesting vibe to put forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's very in line with what he's been peddling in the recent years Mm -hmm. in the uh in sort of the last like three to four years where he's embraced theater he's kind of stopped doing a lot of like what's the last like big movie he did he was in the spider-man movies right spider-man like it's sort of like he does that's for them theater for him you know and I just feel like he's I like where he's taken his career I feel like it is very much like feels genuine and authentic. And like, this is what Jake Gyllenhaal wants to be doing. Also, I saw him on Broadway in Seawall all All life and he was fantastic. He was so magnetic. I kind of didn't know he had it in him, but like, it was a really memorable performance. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I'm enjoying the the latter years of Jake Gyllenhaal. And by latter, I mean, recent, not that he's old anyway. Well, he,
1: he is a very classic example that's used of, he was famously in Prince of Persia, which was not a great blockbuster film. And it did not do well. And he was like, I'm out and I want a different type of career. And I don't want to be this like blockbuster-y, superhero-y kind of leading man. And spent a lot of time working with acclaimed directors, but doing like non-major films and hiding from the paparazzi that, you know, documented his truly iconic lunch with Kirsten Dunst among other things (laughs) and kind of reconfiguring his life and how he wanted to be a movie star and he's like finally gotten to the other end of it and so he can be in the Spider-Man movie but like he's the villain and he's doing like a ridiculous over-the-top performance and he's in a lot of movies with acclaimed directors and he's doing theater and he seems to kind of like this is who
0: Jake Gyllenhaal wants to be he definitely yeah he definitely benefits from like the auteurs taking over Blockbusters because then it maps well with the direction he was already moving in.
1: Yes. So he seems to be having a great time. He's letting his light shine.
0: Yeah, he he really is, uh, you know, and I, I'm happy for him. I'm enjoying it. I would just like him to um, just do some more show tunes and standards, you know, like, let's just go with some classics. Like when he did Sondheim, that was great. So you want him to lean into the theater kid? He is. I mean, yes. he is a, he
1: is a theater Definitely. kid and
0: that is that's
1: shining. And that's, that's great for him.
0: On that note, you know, he's having a big quarantine after like a pretty big, steady two to three years, Ben Platt. And I bet like, this isn't really on your radar, but Ben Platt has brought his brothers into focus. The three of them did like a medley of graduation songs for the, the like graduation special on Saturday night that LeBron produced and Obama spoke at. And, um, the Platt brothers are just like really present right now. And I just feel like that's not really your vibe, but, ben platt he's just available for all these fucking telethons like all of them is ben platt the person who sang the
1: uh opening number at the u.s open tennis event a couple years ago and i like texted you a million things about it being like i don't know what's happening right now he's the original dear
0: evan hansen and he also was in pitch perfect which i think was kind of his launching pad and he's best friend with beanie feldstein from harvard Westlake. That I knew.
1: I, if that's your, I'm glad that Ben Platt is finding a way to thrive and I'm glad that you're enjoying it. I, speaking of people who are really thriving on quarantine that I just wanted to check back in on. I mean, as you know, I have identified that I would love to be in this, in the Tucci Blunt household, but I would also be in the Wade Union household as I have repeatedly shared on this podcast. Did you happen to see the recent fruit snack challenge, Juliet? No, what is that? So this is a um, I don't know how i I know how I wound up on parent internet. It's because I follow Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade, and I check in every day on how their household's <laughs> going because they're having so much fun. But thus, I wound up in parent internet. This was a challenge where a bunch of parents were um setting up the video and then putting their really small children. It was like an adaptation of the marshmallow test. They would put their small children in front of snacks, and they'd be like, "You can have this, but you have to wait until I come back." And then they would leave the room and film what their kids did and whether they ate like the candy or whatever. And I think it's funny. I, if people want to negotiate or discuss whether that's good for children, like this is not parent internet right now. Anyway, um, (laughs) Gabrielle Union did one of their daughter Kavya and like Cavia didn't even wait a second. Cavia was just like, I will have the fruit snacks now. And then Gabrielle. Cavia does what Cavia wants. I love and it. And it's genuinely extremely funny. And I really enjoyed it. And they are making the best of quarantine. Um, and
0: I'm a fan. That's it. Okay, great. That's great. Um, I also, the other thing that I haven't checked out, but I think I shall on Sunday, I wonder if you're aware of this. Heim, the band, they're like doing Sunday dance classes, teaching dance routines from their music videos. Wow. Do their music videos have dance routines? Yes. (laughs) Some of them do. Well, the one where they're walking, they're walking down Ventura Boulevard definitely does. Then the one where they're at the like line dancing bar that does as well. But, um, Juliette, I just remembered do you remember when I
1: texted you like two weeks ago at seven a.m. being like, "Should I get the high?" Girls got haircuts, and should I get their haircut? Do you remember this? So yeah. So I, so I just remember that I did that because I, the things that I do on my phone first thing in the morning between <laughs> seven and seven thirty, like I can't be accountable for. If you send me an email overnight and I read it between seven and seven thirty PST, like just know I never got it because I forgot that same. I read it. It's just like and but I just I. I sent you that text message, like discussing the haircut and whether I should get it. And I completely forgot until this moment. <laughs> anyway, I thank you for, you know, engaging continually with
0: my haircut discussion. Hair talk. Hair talk yeah. with the man Dobbins. Well, <laughs> they're doing these dance classes on Sunday. I'm going to report back. I'm intrigued. A thousand people. You can only have like up to a thousand people on Zoom. So they do oh, 10 exclusive. on Zoom. And then, no, but then they do it again at noon on Instagram live. So more people can be a part of it, but you can't like interact with them in the same way. So they have an album coming out. It's like, this is like part of their promo, but it's pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm observing Haim right now and I'll I'll come back with some, some, some thoughts on Haim next week. I'm just, I'm taking in their media. I go through phases with them where I like like this morning I spent two hours listening to Haim radio on Spotify and it was really delightful. Great way to get my morning going while doing work. Okay. And, but then I like, well, it in so much time and so much high media that I like, I need to detox for like six months. So okay. right now I'm observing, I'll have some thoughts prepared for next week and then I'll probably need a detox.
1: Okay. Well, as you observe, please also continue to observe <laughs> their hair and whether you think that it's the right choice for me.
0: Okay. I will. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I certainly will. Um, is there anyone you're observing right now where you're like, huh? I need to think more about what you're doing on this platform of your choosing. That's a
1: great question. Um, I think pretty much just the the Wade Unions and then all my explore tab, which is just filled with Stan accounts, just to bring it full circle. A lot of Stan (laughs) accounts.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because also one thing we forgot to say big, big look last week for Anna and Ben. They are one of the many, many couples making out in the new video by the rapper Residente. Um, Mm -hmm. it's like in the middle it's like inside the the third minute and yeah you know they're just out here you know I just want everyone to be happy it's hard to be happy every moment of quarantine let alone regular life so if you can find it and it's in a music video do your thing well said (laughs) we'll be back next week apparently with a Heim update and so much more we'll be observing (laughs) thank you for listening